Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What a note say, Dan. Cat dead. Details later. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks Podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and this week, my guest is the one and only Kellen Kappener, bass player for one of my favorite pop-punk bands, The Story So Far. So no new news this week, just make sure you go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget that the Patreon is now live with a $2 tier available, and here's this week's interview. So pretty much, uh, you know, usually I start with a music question before I hop into the horror movie stuff, you know, just kind of keep it brief. You know, do you have anything that Story So Far might be working on, or, you know, whether it be touring with the world kind of opening back up a little bit, or, you know, even a new record possibly? we're just now starting to like get together just because of you know covid and everything being shut down so we're figuring out our year and like next year but um i mean we have all that stuff we we plan to do all that stuff there's just nothing very like definitive right now so we're we're just happy to all be in the same room and like playing music again which was which we did for the first time about a month ago so uh, obviously you know over the course of of quarantine everyone was kind of writing songs and trying to contribute and do that you know (laughs) given the circumstances um i'm sure we'll try to make up some of the dates we had uh booked for last year it just depends on like what states allow what and what uh countries allow what in terms of travel and playing shows and when they allow it so that stuff's all gonna i think start we're gonna see it all start to kind of open up here soon but yeah having said that i don't really have anything like concrete to share it's yeah. i think everyone understands you know understandably so yeah um, definitely. it'll it'll all start uh you know coming back and then we'll we'll probably have more to announce or more to um more concrete plans at least to like share but not for now so hell yeah and is that your only project i couldn't find anything else but uh i didn't know if you played any other music or you know did anything as far as you know streaming or anything like that I used to. I think I it's something I always kick myself and think like I should do. Mm-hmm. I have all these songs I've written, you know, and they don't, you know, they don't sound anything like story so far. You know, I, I always was kind of into I, not like entirely different music, but like I definitely I think have more uh, just just a different taste in some ways. And I write different music naturally. So, yeah, I had a band in high school that was just like uh, kind of it was just bass drums and keyboards kind of inspired by like Death From Above. And then oh. uh so I wrote songs, you know, for that. And then story came around and I kind of put every, I kind of shelved everything else, but continued to write songs. So I have all these songs I'm sitting, you know, light a fire into my ass and make me record. So, oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's we'll awesome. see if I can overcome that, uh, whatever hesitance I have in, in doing that. But anyway. Yeah. Now, at least you have, you know, stuff ready to go. If you ever do decide though, you know what I mean? You wouldn't have to like start from scratch, you know, you'd have. Yeah. And I've, and I've done things with friends or, you know, they're small projects. They just never really like materialize. Everyone's kind of got their own projects and things going on so yeah and then with quarantine everybody's been separated and shit like that so and you know it's nice too sometimes to like have some breathing room for music you know i love music obviously and i think there was a time when it might have been overwhelming to do have done like multiple projects but i think i'm reaching a point now where like that could be fun to do so oh yeah 
No, definitely. Yeah. So uh, we can jump in right into the horror movies, man, if you want. Just pretty much start with telling me what your relationship was with them growing up and if it's changed at all, you know, now that you're older. Yeah, no, you bet. Um, horror movies for me when I was a kid was uh, it was it was introduced to me. I think the first movie I remember, and it's still one of my favorite movies that like scared me and kind of ignited that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. If it's like thrill ride of like wanting to like scare ourselves or like figure ourselves out. But um, I saw my dad. I watched Silence of the Lambs with my dad when I was a kid. Hell yeah. And so, you know, there's the scene at the end where like Buffalo Bill's like reaching out, trying like he's he's got the like night specs and like it's dark in the in the basement where, you know, he's like got the hostage and all that stuff. And like I remember seeing that when I was a kid and like that scared me, you know, like, yeah, you know, it was very that scene is very tense and like it's 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 very tense, you know, and, and she's obviously like sneaking around in the dark, not knowing that there's like, you know, this psychopath behind her. And uh, when I was a kid, yeah, I just remember watching that scene and like being scared the whole time I was watching it. And, the, you know, that was kind of a thrill when you're a kid to like yeah. feel that way. And then like the other introduction I had to horror was more through like sci-fi. I'd watched X-Files again, like with my dad. And oh, yeah. um, so we'd watch it pretty religiously, like every Saturday. And then um, I don't know, I just started getting in or just exploring it on my own. Like I always loved Halloween time and I'd always stay up late and like watch movies were on and just kind of chase that. Um, I don't know. There's like a rush to watching horror movies. At least there is when you're a kid and maybe there's something like, maybe it kind of feels like contraband too when you're a kid, because like, you know, it seems like things you shouldn't be watching when you're a kid. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And so, yeah, I'd watch all that. And like, I was, I was obsessed with horror and like, that kind of stuff to the point where you know i'd watch silly things too like on sci-fi network like um ghost hunters or you know people go spend the night in haunted houses or like do whatever and like you know the kind of stuff you get older and realize it's like really cheap thrills and like it's all fake but yeah when i was a kid you know my parents i'd watch all this stuff you know like because it was really like what i had a thirst for was that kind of those kinds of movies and that genre of you know film and tv sci-fi horror whatever and then my parents would leave and i'd watch all this like you know, all these shows about like hauntings or things or like history channel about like the most haunted this or that my parents would leave me alone at the house. And then all of a sudden I think there's a ghost around every corner, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like scared in my head. Like, you know, it's not, it's not real. Like, don't, you know, don't be scared. Kind of, you know what I mean? So like, it was just kind of funny juvenile, like freaking myself out when I was a kid and like exploring and watching a lot of like stuff for the first time and horror movies and whatever. So oh yeah, yeah that was like, that was how I grew up you know, watching horror movies and it's really not changed. Like one of my best friends, uh, Corey back in Concord and I would like, you know, just find, we'd watch everything. Like I've, I've, we would just watch any beam horror movie, fucking anything. So, oh yeah, you know, it's something I've kept up with and like still do like, you know, I still watch a lot of horror movies, although like there's, it's kind of a bad time for movies in general right now quarantine yeah. and every all the release dates being pushed back i was gonna say i'll comment real quick on uh yeah. but back to one of the first two things you mentioned uh silence of the lambs like when you're a kid and you see that scene that's probably like the first time you realize that that can happen like somebody can do that they can turn off the lights and use night vision to still see fine so like that becomes like an extra like terrifying thing that realization of like oh fuck this is kind of realistic in a way it's like somebody could do that and use it to like their advantage to pretty much kill you <laughs> Yeah, no, they, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, it's a great movie with a lot yeah. of accolades and like the books were great too. You know, like it was also something I read, you know, I think that my interest in those films also made me read a lot of books. Like, I guess I know this isn't a book podcast, but like, you know, I read a lot of like horror books or things and like reading Silence of the Lambs also 
made me appreciate the movie more because there's a lot of detail in the book that makes it even more, well, not necessarily scary, but just like really puts you inside of the mind of Hannibal Lecter and how like, just how smart and how how far ahead he thinks things through. Like there's there's this instance in the book where it's not in the movie, but you know, the whole like the whole escape scene from the museum. Yeah. So there's this, so when he does that, there's this like this moment, well, there, prior to that happening, he was like telling them his name was like Billy Rubin or something. I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember exactly like, you know what happens in the book but anyways he like uses some some like pseudo name like billy rubin or says the killer i think he says the killer's name is billy rubin or something like that yeah and so when he escapes and he you know makes his like really like precise execution out of the hospital or i saw out of the museum into like the um ambulance into the hospital he leaves shit in the toilet and the chemical compound for shit is billy rubin like the the chemical compound spell that out so it's like it's really like there's details like that that aren't in the movie that are in the book where you really kind of get inside of the mind of how like, you know, smart and just like, you know, his sense of humor and like his kind of uh, just how diabolical he is and like how he's kind of toying with everyone. So yeah, I always, I always thought that detail in the book was really funny, but yeah, it's not, it's not in the movie because, you know, movies, they got to squeeze everything in. So yeah. And they yeah. kind of, even though they did uh, feature him quite a bit, you know, it was like, he was one of the ma- many characters between, you know, Clarice and then Buffalo Bill and everything like that. So in the movie, yeah. sh- you know, time shrinking that and stuff. But now I'm right there with you. I like that's one thing I do like about, you know, books sometimes is they they'll definitely flush out those characters a, a lot more. You know, like you said, you'll get to see the true like uh, you get a little bit more of the actual mind and like workings of Hannibal as well as you probably get more. You know, you probably get more of Clarice as well in the book, I'm sure, you know. so Yeah, it's been a while since I read it, but that's the one detail I remember thinking like that's pretty that's pretty smart and like, you know. <laughs> clever but um yeah there's also like i don't know if you saw the new series hannibal it was pretty good too and then they kind of they kind of segue that series into like red dragon and so i always i always appreciated that uh at least as a series or like hannibal as a character even though he kind of he's he's kind of it's interesting because he's kind of thrown into like horror characters but he's kind of his own he's kind of i guess that's not technically like horror you know so but that's how i got you know like scared for the first time enough to like really chase watching horror movies so Oh yeah, no. And uh, real, real quick, also on X Files, that's one thing that, like, even though, like you said, it's kind of more sci-fi, it's definitely scary yeah. as shit. Like, uh, I didn't really watch it; my parents did, but I would come in every now and then and watch an episode with them. And there was yeah. one episode that always stuck out to me, and I could never find it. And come to find out, it got banned. But I guess it's like, you know, now that things are like a lot less, uh, you know. Well, I mean, they're definitely like like taking stuff off of streaming services all the time for like negative stuff. But uh, yeah. as far as like horror and stuff like that goes, they've kind of opened up a little bit more in that realm. So, uh-huh. uh, but the episode where the family was like, it was like an inbred cannibal family and they had like their mother under the bed and everything. Yeah. Like, I remember that, was, that episode. That shit was so fucking terrifying. I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, why is this on television? <laughs> is it, is it off now? Do they not, I thought they might've put it back on, but I, there's yeah, a couple, they have like weird families, you know? Yeah. No, that, I think it's back in the, uh, like if you go on Hulu and watch X-Files, I think it's back in the rotation now, but. Uh, like back in the day when they would just show like reruns on TV, you know, like early 2000s and stuff, it never got yeah. uh, reran back then. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they have they have that episode. And I'm, I was confusing it with this one where they go like to some pl- compound as much of like carnival freaks or something. Like, yeah, they always had like because I think what what every week they do like they'd have a theme where they do like the monster episode and then like the storyline episode with like all the extraterrestrial stuff and then they'd have like some other ones sprinkled in. So it was kind of a nice mix of sci-fi and horror. Like, yeah, you know, and it was just a great show. I, I liked that show a lot. I still do. I rewatch it, you know, fairly often just to 
you know, be nostalgic or whatever. But Hell yeah. No, it's definitely a good one for sure. Like it's pretty long too. So, I mean, if you, you know, it's one that easily throw on, if you fall asleep, it can go like, if you've already seen it, it could go a couple seasons in, you could pick it up and still just keep watching, you know, type thing. So yeah, well, for sure. But, um, so you said you really like, uh, Silence of the Lambs, especially, you know, like with the book and everything, would you say that's your favorite, like horror movie of all time? Or do you have another one that stands out as probably your favorite? And if you have like a couple that, you know, you kind of go back and forth between, I definitely don't blame you because it's such a broad, you know, category. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, I think I just latched onto that movie because, you know, everyone asks you, I think I just wanted to have an answer. So I do really love that movie. It might be my favorite movie, but it's just what I tell people because I'm yeah. like, you know, just so I have an answer. So I don't have to like, you know, it's better to just have an answer than explain to people like, well, I don't know, you know, kind of yeah. kind of thing. Recently, though, I think it's funny. This our my friend Zach Cannon showed me this movie called The Guest when we were on tour one time. Oh, yeah. um, it's not my favorite, but I feel like I watch that movie fairly often, like as kind of a it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if it's on, I'll watch it all the way through. But sometimes when I just want a movie to watch, like I'll watch that movie for some reason. It's kind of like a mix of um, the way he explained it was it's like Rambo meets um, meets Halloween. And it's yeah. kind of true. So it's kind of a funny like like 80s nostalgia. Like uh, I don't you know, won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But, you know, the main character is like pretty badass and like scary at the same time. Oh, yeah. My favorite, I think, recent horror movies are who did like um, Bone Tomahawk and like um, he did this movie that was my favorite movie a couple years ago called Brawl and Subblock 99. Fuck yeah. yeah you cut so, out a little bit, but it was uh, just for people listening. When you cut out, you just were saying S. Craig Zoller films, right? Because Yes. Okay, because exactly. you, you came back in right as you were saying the film names. So I was like, I know what he's talking about, but just for fans. Yeah, yeah. So like Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Subblock 99. I, oh, yeah. I loved Brawl and I, I tried to get so many friends to watch it. It's actually like a funny inside joke I have with a couple of my friends because, you know, I, I had I had suggested that movie so often. They were like, oh, let me guess. Brawl and Subblock 99. But they refused to watch it because um, what's his name's in it? Um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn's in it. And yeah. so like they just they just had. I don't know. They just they just weren't partial to Vince Vaughn. We're like, I don't want to yeah. watch it because he's in it. And then they saw Bone Tomahawk and realized it was the same director. So then they watched it, you know, and got over their aversion to Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And uh, loved it, you know, and then tried to downplay it like, oh, you know, we said it was great, but it was just, you know, I'm just like, come on, just admit it's a good movie. It's still Vince so. Vaughn. <laughs> I had a couple of friends say the exact same thing. I was like, man, you should check this movie out. It's badass. And they're like, I don't really like Vince Vaughn. I was like, I don't fucking care if you like Vince Vaughn. It's awesome. <laughs> It was a, yeah, it's like a it's a cool like like super violence kind of film. It's 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 kind of like Tarantino-esque and like the violence and like I yeah, I just think it's a very cool linear plot and like Vince Vaughn is a badass in it. And I just thoroughly liked that movie for whatever reason, you know. Like sometimes you just you just like movies, you know, they don't yeah. have to be the greatest, but um I thought that movie was great. And then Bone Tomahawk, I also liked his the thing I liked the most about Bone Tomahawk was the fact that it was marketed as this like um, uh, I'm like having the worst time spacing on actors' names right now. Kurt, what's his name? Kurt Russell. Like it was like a Kurt Russell western. Yeah. And so people went into that movie thinking they were gonna see a, a western with with Kurt Russell, and then they got Bone Tomahawk. So like oh, yeah. a lot of the negative reviews of that that it was a horror western. Yeah. So. I love I love how they marketed it. I love how, you know, that was the re the reaction they got out of a lot of unexpected people, especially considering there's like a scene in that movie that's pretty gnarly and like, you know, we'll stick with you if you're not a horror fan or exposed to that kind of stuff, oh, you yeah. know. So, 
I, I think that that's my favorite component of that movie. But I, yeah, I like I like that movie a lot. And that director, although he kind of followed those movies up with like nothing that was terribly exciting. He did like a Puppet Master sequel and then like um, some movie called Dragged Across Concrete that I've been meaning to watch, but I haven't watched yet. But also has Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson, I think, or something like, yeah, kind of a interesting cast but no i'm right there with you i've uh dragged across concrete's been on my uh watch list for a while but i just haven't done it yet because it's got a long runtime plus i'm kind of i'm like kind of how people were with vince vaughn i'm kind of like that with mel gibson i'm like i don't really know if i care for him in his age now or whatever but uh and then um yeah he i think he did the littlest reich or whatever it was called the it was called yeah it's like a it's like um the puppet master but it's like nazi puppets or something so it just didn't seem like that exciting of a prospect of a movie to watch so i just like didn't never watch it but uh, you know i will at some point it just it was different in in the sense that like you know i said earlier i, I would just watch kind of whatever horror movies with my buddy mm. which is one you're going to watch a bad horror movie and like it'll be funny and like you know it has a different it has different qualities to it when you know it's bad or whatever yeah you're watching it for different reasons but because i liked that director so much i was a little more reluctant to watch it even though you know i need to maybe approach it differently in how i watch it but I don't know. I, I just anticipated whatever he was going to do next a lot. And then that was it. And then I was like, mm, you know, maybe I'll just kind of ride on the high of Brawl and Subblock 99 longer and not, <laughs> not get into this. But yeah. I'll watch it at some point. But I know what you mean. It's kind of like when you see somebody do like original idea after original idea and they're great. And then they all of a sudden just jump into this like really beat to death franchise. It's like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch that. And like you said, when you watch a horror movie and like you watch it because it's bad in like a fun way. That's one thing. But when you watch a horror movie and it ends up being bad, but it's by like a good director, a lot of times those aren't bad in a fun way. They're just bad. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I'll get around to it. But yeah, like I never really cared that much about Puppet Master. Like, I don't know why I never really liked doll movies. Like I never really cared about Chucky either. Although, like, I think when I was a kid, the reason was more just because he scared me. Yeah. And I remember staying up late one night with like the two people in the trailer and I'm like, you know, the guy gets tied to the bed and it's like, annihilated and yeah. i was like this is scary i can't watch this so i don't know what about it because if i watched it now i would i would think it was the funniest thing ever i'm sure i'm sure like it's really hokey and bad but um yeah. when you're eight years old it's different so no i feel like even the director uh don mancini the writer director of the child's place series like even he started yeah. to realize as it carried on that like maybe i should take like more of a comedic angle with these movies because like the first movie had such a serious tone and of course it was scary to like you know like you said everybody as they were a child because it's like you know who wants their doll to come to life but as you yeah. get older it's like and i just it's like man i just fucking kick the thing is like what a lot of people would say or whatever you know um but so it's yeah. like as it went on the fact that he gave it like that really funny personality and like uh shit like that and kind of like leaned into like the freddy cougar-esque you know like one-liners and shit i think yeah. uh really worked out for the better you know of course some of the movies ended up being a little bit like seed of chucky was a little rough but like bride of chucky mm-hmm. the one you mentioned like that one's got some pretty decent scares in it but mostly it's just like a fun movie because they're banter back and forth and like you know all that shit. yeah he becomes like a snarky asshole like i wonder i wonder if the more often because of movies like evil dead because like you know for the first evil dead movie is like a legitimate horror movie and then it kind of transitions more into like slapstick yeah with like ash you know like he starts becoming this you know, I think when they focused the movie just on Ash, then it was like, all right, well, let's bring his personality out. And then ultimately it turned into uh, Army of Darkness, which is like, you know, not even really a horror movie. It's yeah, it's got horror themes, but it's like it's like, a, you know, I don't even know what you would call it. Just like, you know, sci fi adventure kind of like horror movie. But yeah, um, 
yeah so they kind of like play more into the personality of or like whatever the character becomes less about like the franchise and more so about chucky being identifiable and like having a personality and that kind of thing so yeah very true now i was gonna say uh texas chainsaw massacre is the same way you know the way that they change tone from one to two but but that's in a different way of course that's just kind of them leaning into like you know the movie came out in the early 70s and they leaned into the gritty tone of back then and then uh Mm -hmm. jumped forward to the mid 80s and of course by that time everything was like super fun and goofy so it was awesome to see them take the same movie and do a a quality sequel with like what was popular at the time and stuff but yeah but like i like your comparison actually better because like you said it's like they take that one character and it's like they almost just honed in on the character and uh, what people actually liked about the series and instead of like some series is like how can we take the character in a different like you know like Jason X and stuff like that like that's a fun movie of course but it's you know you can't really do anything personality wise so it was nice to see them take these person you know these characters with personality and just stretch it you know yeah I, I agree I also just speaking about that franchise like I, I loved uh, the Evil Dead movies growing up and yeah. like even Army of Darkness like I watched it's a movie where I, it might have been because I was at my grandma's house and I was bored and then like my uncle was like you know when you get the you get the someone vouches for something that you you know look up to so like yeah my uncle was like oh this is a you know a great movie and you know my dad too so like we all watched it together and i'm thinking like oh well they think this movie's great so like so do i and then like i remember being too young to know what the movie was when i was a kid but i remembered the scene where there's a bunch of little ashes you know like when you like they all like kind of sprout out of him and he's like got all these little like maniacal like ashes chasing him around and then he like drinks the boiling hot water to like kill him in his stomach yeah because they like hop in his mouth or whatever so like i remembered that scene from from being a kid because i was like oh my god this guy just like chugged a pot of scalding hot water or whatever so i thought that was shocking but yeah. i saw you know i saw the movie later on in my life and then it clicked and i was like that's the movie that i've been trying to you know rediscover for so long yeah so Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I like that movie a lot. It's in it, you know, but that's okay. all because, like I said, they just took Ash and they made him like a, they made him kind of like semi funny guy, like action hero horror movie character. So yeah, and some of it might look cheesy and dated like a little bit today, but still watching that movie, it's got like such like great uh, effect feats for like what you know uh, little budget they had and all that shit. Like it looks but, like very well. Like I know, right? I that's what I like about that movie the most is well as a series because like. Army of Darkness has a lot of practical effects, like a lot of, yeah. you know, like those little like skeletons or whatever that like come to life, Army, the Army of Darkness. But in the first movie too, because they didn't have, you know, a crazy budget either. And you, they definitely innovated a lot of, you know, horror movie effects and things that were used in the future. And you can watch the movie and kind of imagine in your mind, like how they made the effects. And the fact that it translates so well as a viewer, but like it still has that, there's a humanity element of humanity to it. Cause you can imagine someone constructing like, you know, some kind of guide rail to take the camera down to get this like smoke machines off, you know, off screen or whatever to get these like kind of practical effects. But then at the same time, it's a, it's a scary movie. So yeah, it's cool to see what they, you know, creative minds came together and like made back then to, uh, you know, make a, se- a series of movies. that's you know, stand it withstood the test of time. And I think that's great. Hell yeah. Um, no, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. That's one thing, like uh, another scene to speak on, but it's an Evil Dead too. The, uh, you know, the head in the um, the winches or whatever when he takes the girl, his girlfriend's head out to the shed, and he's like trying to figure out like how to you know kill it because it's still talking or whatever, and it, like yeah, it keeps going back and forth from like regular to like it's just uh, it's so cool how they like you know like you said that was the second one and it was on a shoestring budget and it's like they still made that just look so awesome and so gnarly, but 
that's probably like one of my favorite scenes of the whole uh, second film for sure. Uh, yeah, I love it because it's like it's it is horror, but it's also like there there is a novelty to those movies, especially especially like looking back, you know, because yeah. at the time it was the best they could do. And in hindsight, we have a different appreciation for it and we watch it. And I, th I think that makes those movies cool and timeless in a way because because of those kinds of effects, even if they're like dated or whatever. Yeah. But like they were experimenting and trying new, you know, pushing, pushing the, you know, practice of like practical effects and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's, oh, yeah. I think it's cool. Same with movies like uh, The Exorcist, for example, like, yeah, that's another one of my favorite movies. And like, it is so scary. But like when you when you realize when the movie was made, and you consider how much time has passed and the fact that you can still watch it and it's like still pretty horrifying. It's like, you know, it says a lot. It really does. It, it, it shows that, you know, like you don't need a lot in the, in terms of effects or whatnot to make a truly genuinely scary movie. And yeah. No, that's one thing that bums me out when I see these new movies with like these possessed people and, or just like these made up creatures. Like uh, right now there's two horror movies right now in the movie theater called one called separation, one called uh, unholy. And, uh, yeah, I, I looked at I looked into seeing them, but it, it just seems like uh, we're getting fed crumbs right now until like movies start coming back. Yeah, luckily Spiral comes out this upcoming weekend, and I'm excited for that one. But uh, true, which I've heard good things. I heard that's more like a seven style movie than like a Saul style movie, so that I'm pretty excited about that. But that'll be interesting. And to be honest, I was never into like what do they call it? like torture porn. Like yeah, I do, when I was a kid, I do the funniest thing because like you know I wasn't allowed to watch the Saw movies, obviously, and I don't think I even wanted to really watch them, but what I would do is I would go on YouTube and people would make compilations of all the kills. Yeah. Which is like essentially after the first movie, all you need to know about the movies because it's like the writer's room is, they're probably more focused on what's the most inventive way we can like brutally kill somebody. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, well now we got to write a loose plot around it and have all this like filler or whatever. So it's not even really worth watching the storyline after the first movie, in my opinion. Yeah. It's redundant. And like, all people are waiting for is like whatever gets them to the next like kill sequence. So you can just YouTube that. No, definitely. <laughs> you, you essentially don't need to watch the the films because it's just like they just write a bunch of loose plot in between all the kills. And like that's all yeah. anyone's watching for is like the next kill sequence. So you might as well just YouTube it and save 15 bucks, whatever it costs to go to a movie nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then those movies Separation and Unholy, it's like when they take these like full CGI creatures that look so fake, it's like how do you not see the 1973 Exorcist, which, you know, like you said, what, yeah. has 40, uh, what, almost 50 years on it now. And yet you still can't like you still don't see how practical effects are better or at least in, you know, some aspects or at least try, you know, these practical effects. There's just like, I don't know, there's just so many movies that just uh, go the quick route of CGI because they don't have to like have somebody on set. It can just be done in post. But it's like, yeah, to me, it sacrifices a lot of quality films. Like I watch movies like that differently because like the second I see a computer generated monster and you just know it's computer generated, you know, visually, you know, you, it, it, it defeats that, you know, the, the kind of escapism or whatever from movies. It just like makes it you start. It, it just brings it down to earth too quickly, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, I don't uh, there are great movies like, you know, for instance, I, I like The Quiet Place, but like, yeah. it's really hard to get lost in the movie when you see the cgi generated like creatures or whatever you know like it's, it's a different kind of movie for me it's more of a sci-fi movie i don't even consider that like horror really it's more like um post-apocalyptic kind of like sci-fi movie to me because of like the you know extraterrestrial creatures or whatever but 
so I watch, I watch it with a, you know, it's a different mindset. I, I tend to like movies, I think, more that don't have movie monsters that have more just like, like a, a good example being like Hereditary, where it's like yeah. all the horror is just like, it's, it's just human people and it's being wrought by human people. And it's not like there's like, you know, you, you're not losing. I'm trying to, there is a cognitive dissonance, whatever I'm trying to say, but like there's, um yeah, anyways, there's nothing to like remind you that like there's a movie studio behind it, really. Like, yeah you can kind of get, you can get better lost in the story and like the movie and all that. So no, exactly. Uh, in hereditary, the only thing in the entire movie that happens, that's non-realistic as far as like, you know, like some people are like, Oh, people wouldn't react that way, but that's also just like, that's an opinion. So like, as far as like everything that happens in the film, that's, I mean, of course, up until the end is like pretty realistic. Uh, once the mom starts crawling on the walls, that stuff gets a little, you know, iffy, but like, uh, as far as like, you know the daughter sticking her head out the window and getting decapitated like it might not happen exactly that way but it's something that like could happen and uh which uh you know spoil in a little bit of the movie not the whole movie but uh a lot of stuff at the you know the whole end of the movie you know it shows like a lot of you know flying like it shows a little bit of flying and stuff like that but it's not one of those things that it looks fake you know what i mean it doesn't look like 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 none of it looks fake you know what i mean like you don't see somebody like being lifted in the air by some black cloud energy or something like that that makes it like like you said that kind of grounds it back into this like okay this is just a movie the way it happens so like realistically and brutally it kind of like still makes it feel real even when it's something that realistically couldn't happen yeah what i what i meant to say was uh like suspension of belief like yeah you know what i mean but it's no it's true like it's nothing so dramatic or like obvious obviously like generated in a you know on a computer or whatever that i like yeah it you know breaks that breaks that for you so oh yeah so usually at the end of the show, I have a few uh, hypothetical questions that kind of mix the music and movie stuff. If uh, somebody approached you and said, you know, we want to make a music video for you and, uh, you know, for the band or whatever, and uh, we wanted to be a short film version of one of your favorite horror films turned into a music video, uh, what movie would you choose and how would you like turn it into a music video? Hmm. Very interesting question. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do Nightbreed or I would do They Live. Oh, yeah. Because I think They Live, I, I don't know if we could do a full like i'm trying to imagine our band doing like a full horror remake of like a you know and turn it into like a music video but they live is a little more like it's a little more sci-fi and also kind of like that movie is just very light light-hearted in some ways because it's so 80s you know yeah so that could be fun i think i think that would be fun or like i said nightbreed just because there's a lot of options in terms of like monsters and like it's also not it's it's a horror movie but it's not like a full like horror like scary movie it's kind of it's kind of fun in a, in a sense too and that would probably balance best with our band so yeah yeah nightbreed's more of like horror fantasy i guess you know like an actual just straight up horror you know like you said it's uh it's more of just like like there's really not many scares in the film itself it's just you know there's a lot of you know creatures and like dark you know stuff i mean there's a murderer of course you know uh dr decker if i'm not mistaken but yeah It'd be cool to get like Rowdy Roddy Piper in a music video. So. Well, you know, uh, he actually passed away a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. It would be like CGI Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper, but. Well, I was gonna say um, also, uh, or what you could do is have like a uh, like an ode to him, like y'all going like because one thing about the, they live that's cool is you could literally just use like the concept of the glasses and use them in your own way, you know, like maybe yeah, exactly yeah. like maybe y'all get them and then like halfway through a show you put them on and realize the whole crowd or so, I don't know something funny, but. Uh, that would be a good idea so there we go yeah, yeah. that's the but, only way you could find out where the show was at or something is you had the glasses and then like yeah that, that's not a bad idea here we go 
scripting music videos hell yeah but you could always have just yeah. like uh roddy piper on like a tv you know what i mean like you could walk by a tv and have like a classic roddy piper match that way it's like a callback without the fight scene yeah the big the like five minute fight scene in the parking lot yeah <laughs> so unnecessary so cool. yeah i know so like... that that's not a bad idea the, oh, yeah. that, that would be actually pretty fun I'll, I'll make my final answer they live because that seems to have more we're already kind of spitballing you see like yeah seems like it's coming together easy more easily than uh nightbreed might have so yeah nightbreed has too much like um mythology behind it you'd have to like really like lean into it you know what i mean yeah so. that's true but so uh would you ever want to score a horror movie and you know and that's something that uh you know you could either do by yourself or you know team up with the band and you know kind of just write like maybe like a title song or something if that's you know what you'd feel more comfortable with we got asked to do a theme song one time and oh, yeah. it turned out to just be me and like it <laughs> it turned into kind of a joke but uh this is a funny like this is a funny fact that no one really knows about our band but hot wheels reached out to us one time holy shit that's awesome and asked us to do like a theme song and then will and i just went into a studio and just like made what you know we think is a really funny or going to be accepted but we it was more just the concept of like they wanted us to do that and then us getting a room and making what we thought that should sound like yeah and it was truly fun, but uh, it was nothing they were ever going to like use. I, I don't know if I could seriously sit down and like score a movie, but yeah, I think that's a very cool career path. I mean, some of my favorite, you know, just like I don't I don't, I, I don't have a lot of idols or, you know, well, I admire and kind of like I appreciate their careers. And, you know, I think um, Danny Elfman's one who went oh, yeah. from musician to scoring incredible film scores and movies and uh, uh danny elfman did nightbreed i didn't even know, even know that so quite recently but there you go nightbreed. i mean yeah it's he's done everything from nightbreed to um i mean the simpsons theme song to uh yeah what was that nine oh my god what's it called um he's an oingo boingo <laughs> yeah oingo boingo i was god what's the name of the show it's so it's right on the tip of my tongue it's the Desperate Housewives. He did Desperate Housewives theme song. He scored yeah. a lot of things that like people don't realize he did. Um, but has a very clear identity in in his sound of like who he is. He always knows Danny Elfman. Um, and then also the next to Danny Elfman is who's doing a lot of relevant film scores now is Trent Reznor. So yeah, you know I I think that's a very I'm I'm sure that those guys are happy to do it. There's probably way more money in doing movies than they ever made doing. Uh, their respective um, music projects, maybe, maybe Nine Inch Nails being the exception, but um, yeah, no, I, I actually really admire guys that do that and um, their scores are great. I mean, um, I know Trent did Social Network and then recently did, uh, he did that new Pixar movie, Soul. I think he did Soul. Yeah, I know he did, uh, so. what was it called, Mank or something? That new Netflix movie with Gary Oldman. It was like, a, uh, it's all in black and white and it look, it's like a 50s movie, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he did that with uh, Atticus Ross, if I'm not mistaken. And that one's like all, you know, which he does a lot of them with Atticus. But I was going to say that's like his his partner with all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but it was uh, it was excellent. Like I didn't even watch the movie, but I listened to the score and I really loved it. It felt like a 50s album, honestly. Yeah, that was very cool. I, I was first thinking I saw that movie Possessor. Oh, yeah. And was thinking he did it, but he did not. He totally didn't do that movie. It's just a very kind of similar like electronic, you know, um, yeah score for that movie but that's anyway i'm just getting off topic now but when you find scores hey, as far as i'm concerned uh anybody that does scores is kind of on topic you know i'm a big fan yeah. of that stuff <laughs> i i really liked um it follows in terms of scores too because it kind of felt like jaws in a way where like yeah. every time the thing is following you you hear the distinct like 
soundtrack i can't i can't remember who did that soundtrack but they were also like a i mean they're like a popular electronic artist and then um disaster piece was uh that's right yeah, yeah. and I'm then uh, that one as well. the other thing like i see a lot of artists getting into is like video game scores like there's that band health and i think they did judge dread or like something like that but like i think it's i think it's a cool segue from like music to multimedia and like uh giving life to you know movies or video games or whatever it is so yeah hell yeah, yeah. i i don't know if i could do it but I, I have a lot of respect for people that can. I, I just don't have the wherewithal to uh, do that unless it was unless the only way I can like really come up with songs and do things like is truly like a, a gift. I think people wish I didn't have. But like if I'm just completely joking and if I know like nothing's writing on it and it's just like meant to be a fucking joke, I can just I can just riff and do it. But like when it yeah. comes to being like really serious about it, then I think I struggle. So yeah. Maybe uh like Tim Burton doing the Adams Family remake. Maybe he can uh or reboot. Maybe you can do that. So that way it's like just a cover version of <laughs> something. I yeah, I know I drive some of my friends nuts because like I don't even realize it, but I'll just like make songs out of things and just yeah. start like, you know, or changing lyrics to songs they're listening to that are, you know, and ruining songs for people. So I do that to my I wife all the time and uh, piss her off. So I feel like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're the generation of uh, kids that could listening to Weird Al. So maybe that's maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, Weird Al and Bloodhound Gang got me through most of my middle school. <laughs> I forgot about Bloodhound Gang. They released an album not too terribly long ago, and they got this song called uh, "My Dad Thinks That's for Pussies." That sounds it's about so, right. It was one of those things where I listened to it and I was like, I shouldn't like this, but like it's really catchy and actually like kind of funny. So I not a band I got super into, but like they have a, obviously a couple songs that like yeah, you know, everyone knows. But yeah. Oh yeah. Weird Al though. I was definitely in a weird Al. He's on my bucket list of artists I want to see before I die. So hopefully that hopefully that happens. So we'll see. Yeah, I actually uh recently had Jason from Portugal Demand on the podcast. And uh oh nice. It was it was kind of awesome because I didn't even know until uh you know I started watching some of their music videos and I'd heard the song before. I didn't even realize, but Weird Al sings in one of their songs and he's like super serious and everything. And it like sounds like what you know it's it him, but like I just didn't realize it, you know. That's a band. All right. So well, I don't know if <laughs> I know he was on your podcast. I, I highly doubt he'll listen to this and like it matters i'm not about to say anything like critical or whatever but um portugal the man when so they they had that huge song right mm. it was like in every commercial it was just like number one you can escape it you know anywhere you went that song would play the thing about portugal the man that like when i realized they wrote that song that like kind of blew my mind was like they were they were a band that was around you know when i was young it was kind of them and as tall as, as lions and they were kind of like these indie rock bands that a lot of like, I guess like theater kids or people liked, I don't know. Yeah. Like they were cool. I mean, they had some songs, but like, wasn't necessarily my thing, but I mean, that band's been around for so long. It has so many albums. And then it just, I think the thing that um, impressed me about it was the fact that like that far into their career, they had the biggest song in the world. Like, yeah. I feel like that that's rare and that doesn't happen terribly often. And uh Anyways, yeah, it was when it kind of blew my mind when I realized it was Portugal the Man. And now they're like, it must be interesting for them to be a successful commercial act in the most, you know, commercial way, really. Like, yeah, I, in, in fact, took my niece to Disneyland and they were performing at Disneyland. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be pretty commercially successful to the point that like Disney asks you to come play, you know? Yeah. So what's funny is it's like they have this new career on top of the career they've had ongoing for a very long time. Yeah. And now they're expected to just play like things that are relevant to people that just discovered them now as being like this huge commercial act that aren't going to dig back in like their past 10 albums or however many albums they have, you know? So just kind of one of those things that I found really interesting and like, 
I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting anyway. I, it's kind of a one in a million thing, I think, to like have that much success that late in your career. So good for them. I don't know. No, definitely. I actually uh, brought yeah. that up to them a little bit just because of uh, they, you know, they're releasing in the Oregon City Sessions, which is like a, a live version of like their album from like their first 10 years or whatever. And, yeah. Um, so when I brought that up, I brought up how they were, you know, I was like, you know, how was it? You know, you, you guys used to tour. Well, not you guys, but they used to, you know, tour with like uh, bands like Circus Survive and Seosin and stuff like that. And then they go on to, you know, yeah, like you said, that song just blew them up. And next thing you know, they're on huge like headline in Bonnaroo and shit like that. So, yeah. It's a scary game to play. I mean, um, it seems like it's working out okay for them. Oh, yeah. I just remember when I can't remember the name of the artist, but that dude who wrote that song, somebody that I used to know, whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I can't think of the name either, to be honest with you. What's his name? I told it's I sometimes I swear to God, I just have amnesia and I just have no recall. And other times yeah. I, I'm amazing. But uh, anyways, that dude, that dude headlined or like played Coachella you know, just because he was writing off the success of that song. And I remember hearing he played that song and then everyone left Yeah, because no one cares, especially the Coachella crowd. Yeah. Uh, so Gautier it, was his name. Gautier. Yeah. It gets scary when you have like a song, like one song that everyone knows. And then like a lot of songs that no one really knows, you know? Yeah. No, so, not to, like, again, not to knock anybody, but like uh, Mike Posner, you know, I don't know if you remember him, but he had that song. Um, I remember him. Yeah. He had that one, you know, he was, he had that one song, um, cooler than me or whatever that came out my mom was like a huge fan of it like played the shit out of it and then yeah. like out of nowhere he then like years later he came out with you know uh pill and abiza became like real big or whatever and uh i didn't even know it was the same fucking guy i was like you know listening to it like it was a whole new song you know like a whole new person out and i was like it's just crazy how like uh you said somebody like people like a you know the world can latch on to like one thing and not even you know see the whole rest of their music and stuff like that you know it's hard for anything to like eke out and become that big. So yeah. when you do, it's like a different audience entirely because like if you have one song that's that big, it transcends your audience really. And like becomes like a playlist song. Yeah. So like people will put it on their playlist or just as a song and not even know whose song it is or like really care. Yeah. If that makes sense. So like, then you still have your fans though, that like follow everything or know everything or have for a long time. Yeah. So it's just it's an entirely new commercial audience that like here's a song and it's the it's a very simple way of you know like the simple fan who's just like oh yeah the song comes on the radio but they've never like you know they're not buying that band's t-shirts or like going to their shows or anything like that yeah no and i'm i'll say i'm straight up guilty for that well like you know only with like like with mike posner i listened to take a bill pill and the visa but that's not like my style of music it was just a catchy song so like but like for instance with you guys you know like i listened to this album from you know start to finish like proper dose i think i know mm -hmm. that thing my wife played it in my the whole way to michigan so it was kind of burned in my brain so <laughs> nice. yeah i mean we're a, a band way, but... <laughs> no 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 i mean we're a band that's small enough you know we're right we're right there we're, we're about as big as independent bands get but we're not commercially successful so it's like everyone who comes to our shows has some familiar familiarity with us and like our lore and like our music and is going to know all the songs but like if you go to the layman or just like some random, I don't know, person and say, have you heard of this story so far? Six out of 10, probably gonna be like, I've never heard of that band, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's a weird, it, it depends, you know what I mean? Like whatever you want for your band. I, I appreciate having fans and an audience that like know us and, or at least our music and like our discography and like come prepared to hear and know every song versus like being a band that like has a song, Yeah. you know? And there's benefit to that too. You know what I mean? Like 
those bands are a lot more successful than our band and like, yeah. make a lot more streaming revenue and other things and, and like licensing than we it's a delicate balance you know it's just like and you don't have you can't help that stuff a lot of the time you know what yeah. I mean? you don't you don't ask to be successful or have popular music or whatever so when it happens it happens and you kind of just make do so yeah even some horror fans you know what i mean like they're gonna watch the conjuring but again they're not gonna know terrifier any of these other movies that are like b movies or like really niche so or for instance like i just watched uh saint mod it was like an independent movie that just came out it's like a horror movie yeah you know they're, they're never they're never gonna hear about it they're never gonna know about it it's not on the radar and I know about it because, you know, I like horror movies and I'm, you know, I'm really dying for movies to get released. I'm kind of looking for anything right now. So it's like, I'm going to watch that movie, Yeah. but someone else doesn't care at all, you know? So same with music. It's just people have, you know, their interests and they explore them as deeply as they are interested in them. So, yeah, now the kids at my work, uh, cause I'm an assistant manager at a movie theater. So like, yeah. uh, and we, we got separation and unholy both like in the past week or two, like I think unholy was yeah. first and then the next week was separation. And like, literally the kids all had like been looking at the quiet place Two poster for a month and saying, Oh, I can't wait to see that. You know, I love horror movies. As soon as we got those two movies, they were like, what the hell are these? And I was like, they're two new horror movies. What do you mean? You don't know what they are. And I was yeah. like, I had to remind myself that being a huge horror fan that or I'm just a movie fan. So I like every time a movie trailer drops, whether like I watched the venom two trailer this morning, like every time I, oh i it's got carnage in it now doesn't it yeah it looks I, have good. I haven't i haven't seen the trailer yet but. yeah it's uh it dropped just as like i literally checked it out maybe 20 minutes before we hopped on i think it was doesn't like woody harrelson play carnage yeah i remember the trailer from well i remember he's in the very very end of the last movie I yeah think, which had me excited more for venom 2 than i was about venom 1 to be honest yeah no i'm really excited yeah. for venom 2 and the, like i said the trailer looks pretty good but so like I'll just watch any trailer though as it drops, and so it was like surprising to me that they didn't even know what they were because they kept saying they were horror fans. But then I got to remember, like you said, there's this casual yeah. horror fan that watches Quiet Place, Conjuring, but they've never seen Terrifier. They might not have even, you know, even ever went back and watched The Exorcist. You know, they just watch what yeah. comes out now and stuff like that. So well, that's the beauty. I don't know, you know, how A24 did it, but they have their movies marketed, or you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know how this happened, but like those are genuinely good horror movies and they have mass appeal. They're not like, but like, they're not, they're not these studios that do, for instance, like the conjuring. It's like, you know, this is like, these are horror movies with attention to detail and like genuinely scary horror movies. And like, they're getting a, they're getting that casual audience somehow, which is impressive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause they're that good. I think those are, that's really rare. And it, that's what kind of bums me out is like, because, you know, horror is often overlooked. You see they'll never win awards or do that kind of thing. And, uh, because uh, I think most people in general don't want to watch horror movies. They get, they certainly get neglected by studios. And so it really takes these dark horse kind of movies or these studios who put together something truly remarkable to catch people's attention to like put, put genuinely good horror movies into the, um, you know, commercial view. So yeah. Um, I do. I, th I think that's cool. And like, I think it's more impressive than people realize the fact that like hereditary is a household movie name. Oh yeah. It's more impressive than people realize, you know, cause that movie for all intents and purposes should have been something that horror fans watched and thought this is a great horror movie, you know, and the clerk at Bernie Melville shouldn't, shouldn't know what that is, but they do, you yeah. know, and that's, that's impressive. So I don't know how I got onto that, but anyway, no, um, I agree. Well, I agree 100% though, like, because A24, uh, one thing they don't get good credit for that, like, uh, I guess a, a couple other production companies do that as well. Like, 
uh, some of these other movies, when they do really uh, well, like Hereditary, you know, it got uh, amazing reviews and then everybody went out and saw it because of the hype. So it was doing really well in the theaters. So like you would immediately expect, oh, now we're going to get probably a sequel because that's what they everybody always does production wise. But it seems like we've gotten into this new trend of like, let's not rehash this idea if we have these good movies let's actually just get the director to do his next like original idea like you know you saw hereditary followed by midsummer you saw the witch followed by the lighthouse you saw uh get out followed by us and like get out was the one i really thought was especially being oh, a bloom house that they would i was just to- gonna say yeah i was gonna i was just gonna you know mention jordan peele um yeah i'm glad i'm glad you said it um yeah it's true it, it took jordan peele being like uh having a reputation yeah. the fact that he was like a comedic he was known for his, you know, comedic work and the fact that he was doing a horror movie generated a lot of interest yeah. and then he nailed it. So then people were, you know, they were excited about it. I, I liked us too. I know a lot of people, you know, want to debate or compare the two, which was better and all that. But um, I, for a moment, I thought I liked it out more. I don't, I don't know. I think they're both good in their own right. They're different movies. Um, and and I, I just like the idea that rather than studios trying to remake or or sequel movies to death is they're giving these really you know good writers and directors opportunities to create new original ideas mm-hmm. and that's the funny funny thing is like when you look at movies now and we're rehashing all these movies or like remaking all these movies the only reason we're remaking these classic movies is because they were at one time this original concept or you know a cool original idea for a movie and then we became attached to these characters because you know they were new and exciting yeah and so i want that i want that more in movies where people are able to take risks and i know studios oftentimes don't want to take risks on horror because you know like they want to make money and um they don't generally they generally are the brunt of the box office so it's tough and i appreciate these studios that are finally giving opportunities to people to come up with new original characters or movies or ideas and it's refreshing it is kind of having a small resurgence in a way so i i do i, I am I, I am appreciative of that yeah now and uh a24 kind of becomes like a gateway drug for some horror fans because they see that logo at the beginning of hereditary and like the lighthouse and uh you know they you know when they go to the theater so they look out those movies like you said saint Maud. you know that was a24 uh, i think rose glass did that and then um yeah uh, green room was a 24 you know that was on netflix so that ah, brought a lot of attention too so it, and then uh blue ruin huh it was probably well the same director yeah. i don't know if it's the same studio but i think it was if i'm not mistaken yeah. which would make sense because like uh we were talking about you know a 24 is perfect for given that you know great director his second movie that's original instead of being like no we need a sequel yeah. for this because everybody liked it so much that was right before uh yelnik passed away too that was green room was great yeah i liked blue ruin as well it's a little it's a slow burner but uh trying to think of movies like yeah like i said it's just been kind of slow i think i've been more trying to watch the movies i put off i just watched um the house that jack built like a couple months ago it's a little artsy um you know it's gonna take a little more investment for people to get into movies or like watch things like that but yeah overall i'm just glad that like the movies that aren't being fed to people or that are being fed to people aren't going to consistently be like the conjuring or thing i mean i particularly i don't particularly like those movies to be honest i don't yeah i liked uh i think it was annabelle 2 and then like there might have been one of the conjuring movies i liked but in general it's like it's too tied to um this these studios and, and tradition in the sense that they like for instance in the last movie it's like everything is you know it gets resolved it's peachy keen and then like there's like a love story and like it's very hollywood it's very it's very like hollywood studio like classic movie storyline plot kind of thing and yeah um 
it doesn't really like change anything. I don't know. And I'm not looking for horror movies to be boundary pushing, but I guess in some sense they are kind of this odd man out underdog movie. And like, they do kind of, I, the thing I like the most about horror movies is they're a genre that consistently does challenge ideas or like, you know, push us, you know, and what, what we're, we're receptive to in, in movies. So I, yeah. I uh, think those movies are too safe in a way for like horror movies, if that makes sense. No, I agree hundred percent. I actually, yeah. enjoy, I will say I enjoy the first two conjurings personally, but yeah. one, one thing that's super annoying is when you know you have a sequel, you're a horror film. Why not give that, you know, you know, you're going to get a sequel. You can resolve whatever problem. Why not end a horror movie terribly with like a bunch of problems still happen? You know, like even Marvel did it with fucking Infinity War going into Endgame because they knew there was a sequel. So with The Conjuring, like, why do we always need that Hollywood happy ending? Even when you know you're going to have a sequel to fix whatever you you know, fuck up at the end of the movie anyway. So you can actually give us yeah. a terrible ending. And I, the thing I think is the most funny about the Conjuring movies is they button it up, the perfect, you know, like clean ending. Yeah. And these people end up in the same situation. And it's like, well, glad we solved that one. Everyone's hugging and happy. And then it's like the next movie, it's like, ah, shit, here we go again. And then like the end of the movie, they're like, ah, we did it. Everyone hugged. This is the end. You know, it's never going to happen again. Right. And then yeah. it happens again. You're like, all right, when are you going to be like, all right, it's happened it's you know it's just it's kind of it gets silly like they throw all those like like tried uh and similar like tropes in those movies but yeah and it'd make more sense if like uh lorraine and ed warren had like their own team you know that was going around but they literally have like a different team per movie like in the first movie they have like an entire like you know they have like a cop they have like a cameraman and they have yeah. like a uh, like a, another guy or something like that and then the second movie, they go completely alone. It's like, where the fuck happened to needing a team? And now all of a sudden you can handle an entire house, like a whole poltergeist on your own. Like, yeah, I don't so know. I, Maybe those were the early days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I It's kind of very cool visually, like good concepts. And then it's, it gets very quickly, it gets redundant. Yeah. Or like the comedic relief characters are like too overbearing or things like that. So, yeah. No, that's one thing yeah. I, I will say is I'd like that the fact that like the conjuring at the end when the mom becomes uh, possessed. You know, that's a spoiler, but the movie's old now. I feel like you you should have seen it yeah. by now. But um, the mom com- becomes possessed. You know, they didn't make her like some CGI like person all of a sudden. Like she at least just had makeup on and it looked really good and shit. But uh, over- like you said, overall, by the end of the movie, everything was fine. Ed, Ed and Lor- uh, Lorraine were home, you know, with their kid and, you know, the family was fine. And then uh, like the only even like evil tease they give you is just showing you that they have the Annabelle doll. It's like, OK, well, what is <laughs> how's the- that? Anyway? Yeah, it's kind of, well, just speaking about comedic like relief in movies, it's interesting because they, they do that a lot more now. Um, yeah. Um, like the new Halloween, for instance, yeah. the one that came out. Um, you know, like he's in the house, you know, you got like, you got Mike Myers just like brandishing a knife in your house. And then like, you got a little kid like cracking jokes, which is funny in the theater. But some part of me kind of just wants it to be like all terror. I don't know why, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't mind the jokes when he's downstairs, like, and he's like, uh, just like talking to her and he's like cussing and it's like kind of funny but like once they get upstairs yeah. and it's supposed to be the scary moment i'm with you it like no longer needs to be scary like even when he comes downstairs to get her he even cracks a joke because uh what's funny is i watched this scene recently because it is so funny i was like showing somebody because they had they yeah. hadn't seen it and uh but i'm with you i don't like i think it's funny but i like i prefer there to not be humor in that stuff like when he comes down to get the babysitter he's like there's something in my closet and she's like oh uh well, let's go look or whatever. And he's like, send Steve first, you know, talking about the boyfriend. It's like, that's funny, yeah. but it's like, it takes away from the horror a little bit. And then like, once they go up there, like you said, that's when he's like, oh, fuck this. And he just runs away from her or whatever he says. Or, Yeah, it it's okay for certain franchises, I think. Yeah. 
but like it's hard to take a franchise like that and then work it into it i think it yeah at some point it's it doesn't i I think it does a disservice to like the the franchise or like the identity of the franchise not that i really care in particular but just as like a viewer sometimes i'm kind of like it's just it didn't need the jokes you know what i mean yeah no, the fuck this like replaced the uh, I wish I could make the sound, but like that's very like um, prominent, like sound that's always made in the Halloween score. Like when somebody's about to get killed or gets killed that <laughs> I can't think of this. I can't yeah. make the sound, but there's like a sound that's made. And then like, I feel like that's what should have happened when she was getting stabbed. Not the kid just yelling, oh, shit or oh, fuck or whatever he says and then running yeah. away. It's like, well, so someone who one of the producers was a comedy guy. I can't remember who did it. The one that does uh, Eastbound and Down. Shit, what is his name? Was it Danny McBride? Yeah, Danny McBride, yeah. That's right. So, like, you know, I love Danny McBride. Uh, you know, I'm happy to have him work on movies. I Obviously, yeah. it's, like, him squeezing his personality into the movie. But yeah. at the same time, it's, like, it's Halloween. I, I just, yeah, I have a different idea when I go into a, see a Halloween movie, you know what I mean, than I do when I go to see, like, An Evil Dead or something like that, which did the opposite because when um, they remade uh, Evil Dead, it was it was terrifying it was yeah. like it was very 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 in fact i had to pause the movie during the last scene when like the car falls on her arm she's like pulling it off yeah hard to watch i literally had to take a lap it was yeah. like oh man you <laughs> know no time. nothing funny at all about it <laughs> yeah yeah and that movie's intense from the beginning like even when she's like in the room like uh relapsing early and she just yeah. like sees herself in the mirror and she's like her face is like uh already like a deadite or whatever like that part is fucking yeah. terrifying and that's the earth like there's like little shit like that already happening early. And then, uh, you know, of course, they kind of redid the whole like woods scene where, you know, the woods, you know, molest yeah. or whatever. But they luckily they didn't do it as intensely. But so they like uh, but they do it without like all the like you said, without like all the dry humor around it, which the first movie really didn't have a lot of humor. It was just kind of like unintentional humor, like bad acting gone humorous. But yeah. Uh, but they definitely uh, didn't go anyway with like the rest of the franchise, like you said, with uh, two and three being so humorous. And Did you see there was kind of like a, there was that Indonesian movie that was kind of a nod to Evil Dead. It was Devil Take Us or something. Wait, it was it was by the guy who. But I'll look it up because I don't want to I don't want to get this wrong. But have you ever seen The Night Comes for Us? No, I've uh, uh, heard of it. And when it first came out, I had heard bad things. But I think it was one of those like expectations uh led to bad reviews type deal you know what i mean like it's not a bad movie but bad expectations type thing that's interesting because it's a great movie it's a it's like the raid but with like um horror movie level violence in it it's just it's an adrenaline rush really you know for for however long it goes um he worked on vhs as well uh the movie's called may the devil take you okay have you ever seen that it's an indonesian version of like essentially evil dead Mm-mm. sounds like there's a sequel or at least there was supposed to be called may the devil take you too i'm looking on his wikipedia right now um which okay okay here we go i'm looking at his wikipedia this is something i didn't know i personally like this director a lot i thought the night comes for us was great i thought may the devil uh take you was good too it wasn't it didn't but I'm noticing now, uh, I was reluctant to hear about that they were doing a Train to Busan sequel or okay. um, remake, but he's the director, it looks like. Okay, for the American version of it? Yeah, so that actually makes me not as reluctant to have that movie come out. So, Oh yeah, what's his name again? Be, um, let me see, uh, Timo, I, I, man, I don't even know how to say his last name and I don't want to butcher it. Um, I know, I definitely feel you. Tahanto, it looks like, Timo Tahanto. Oh, I've never um, even honestly heard the name, but that's awesome. He's Indonesian. He's he's done a lot of he's done these those couple of movies I mentioned. Uh, he's a good director. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I I was I was getting his movie confused with um 
uh here uh, I've, I've seen the devil the korean movie yeah no i actually just watched I that saw recently. The, i saw the devil it's yeah. a great movie it's one of my favorites um that was excellent long it's really long but um anyways yeah it's there's a well i know we we're kind of going at length here i don't know how much time we've got but another just uh, not necessarily overlooked but um one of my i think most of my favorite horror movies are also foreign movies there's just yeah. so many good foreign horror movies like um let the right one in uh, there's like there was a couple of good australian ones like happy birthday i watched recently or like big bad wolves which was i think a czech movie yeah but i saw the devil of course and then like these indonesian directors are doing a lot of good horror movies too um i think honestly like a lot of the best horror movies are coming out of these other countries because you know kind of not necessarily that we censor horror movies here but there's just that there are barriers to creating horror movies here and those barriers don't necessarily exist in other countries. I think people are more receptive to horror and in fact, just enjoy it more in different, and you know, some of our remakes or popular horror movies here are remakes of foreign films. So anyway, uh, those are some great movies. Just if you haven't seen them or anyone listening hasn't seen them, it's, it's definitely worth it. And hopefully subtitles aren't, don't create some aversion to wanting to watch them because they're honestly just such good movies. But I'm, I'm right there with you. I like uh, all the ones that you mentioned, uh, like I saw the devil and let the right one in. And I'm a big fan of uh, audition as well. And then uh, there's a newer one called terrified instead of terrifier. It's yeah. Ar- Argentinian, uh, Argentinian, I think horror film. Uh, if you've never seen that before, I highly recommend that one, but it's only on shutter if I'm not mistaken. So I keep debating getting a shutter uh, membership because they did like the tales of the crypt remake. Yeah. But uh, I have yet to pull the trigger, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. if anything maybe get the trial and check out that movie you know and then see if there's yeah. anything you know check a couple of things out and see if you like it and... yeah i'm a little rusty just because uh i've been busy with other things and I, I typically you know when things are normal i go watch movies all the time i'll go to the movie theater by myself with the amc pass that i have and just oh, yeah. like you know i'll watch pretty much anything i'll just go to matinees uh go to movies alone all the time um obviously that hasn't been a thing for over a year so like i'm just not very immersed in movies and television right now because of you know i've just been focusing on other things but when that comes back i'm excited to kind of get re-engaged with, with all this kind of stuff and yeah anyway so oh yeah well before i ask you uh, my final question i do i do want to comment real quick about the uh another remake what's funny is you mentioned uh that one guy doing the training busan american remake uh yeah fede alvarez who did evil dead remake is doing the texas chainsaw remake that's supposed to be coming out or i guess it's like a sequel to the original like another sequel to the original, even though was it Freddie Alvarez who did that? Yeah, I thought it was. Hold on, I thought Sam Raimi did it. Did he just produce it? Yeah, he produced it. Oh, okay, but he didn't. Okay, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I, I think Texas Chainsaw is one that I don't, I don't get. Um, they're doing like a remake. I, I, I think every so often it's okay to like try to, you know take those sort of franchises that already have so many sequels and just kind of give them a modern twist, especially in the hands of a writer and director like that. I, yeah, I think that's a sign of hope. It'll be good. I, I think what he did with Evil Dead was great, and yeah. uh, you know if he gives it that same kind of touch, I mean, I can't imagine how hard to watch that movie's going to be if he's behind it. Yeah, that's pretty much what uh, my thought was too. Is like if somebody else was behind it or like somebody I didn't even know, I'd probably be like completely disinterested. But because it's yeah. Fede Alvarez and how well he did Evil Dead, uh, I'm yeah. like, I'll, I'll give it a crack for sure. A hundred percent. I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm already already trying to mentally prep myself. Oh, yeah. So, so my final question for you pretty much is just do you have uh, any horror stories of your own? And they could be from, you know, being on tour with the guys or just, you know, something that was scary as shit that happened to you in your uh, own life, you know, 
uh, it's just something personal or, you know, even if you believe in the paranormal, if you've had anything happen to you like that? Well, it's funny. Yeah. I, I guess I always had these ideas in my head. Cause like I said, growing up, I'd always watch this kind of stuff and, you know, this is kind of cute, but every night before I go to bed, when I was a little kid, my dad would tell me scary stories that he would like make up. Oh, yeah. So I always had like some like imagination for like horror and like, you know, the paranormal and that kind of stuff, whether or not I, I believe it or not is something else. But, um, you know, I just consider I probably don't know, but mm. I had an experience actually over quarantine where I was fixing up an old house. I was out in Salt Lake City. I was fixing up a house. Um, it's a 120 year old house. I'm trying to like paint the picture. It's a small little house. It was one of the second neighborhoods ever developed in Salt Lake City. It was an old okay. polygamous house, in fact. So it's a tiny house and I was fixing the foundation of this house. So I'm basically spending a lot of time under it. You know what I mean? Like this very tiny crawl space. Um, yeah. The house used to have a coal chute that is now where the, um, like there's like a second bedroom downstairs. Um, it's very small. Like I said, it's like probably like 1200 square feet house. It's very small. Uh, and that's with an addition that like some person put on it. But I, I was just, you know, I'm working on this house. Um, me and one other guy. So one of these nights I'm alone and um, no one was staying in the house at this point. So I was, you know, staying in the house while we were working and I was, I'm trying to, uh, I'm losing my train of thought here. So anyways, it's a really old house. The only way to get into this crawl space was to excavate, excavate a, um, a hole through a retaining wall. Basically it's very claustrophobic. We're like crawling back in and out, shoveling dirt and rocks out of this crawl space to lay uh, new foundational posts because the, um, whoever had put the foundational posts and originally just put uh, wood straight into dirt. So they were all just like rotting and yeah. the, you know, the foundation was shifting. So we had to like lay cement or this there and like, it's kind of creepy. You know, this house is kind of creepy. Um, so I'm staying in this empty house, it's an old house. And, uh, I was upstairs and I wanted to go downstairs and like get a drink of water or something. And I'm walking through and out of the corner of my eye, I see a man sitting in a chair next to the window. Swear to God. And I was like, I had never had an experience like that or anything where I was like, you know, had ever even like rationally thought like, you know, paranormal this or that or whatever. And I'm like, I, it took me, I jumped back. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, startled me. And I, I don't know, I'm trying to think like, was it just a shadow coming through the window? But I'm like, no, I know, I know what I saw. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm trying to convince myself, like, I'm not totally insane in this moment or something like that. But I swear to God, I saw a ghost man sitting in a chair in this little house that I was working on. It's a 120 year old house. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I wasn't a, yeah, it was interesting. It was just had a weird feeling, you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, I've followed up with the people that live there now. And they said that lights turn on and off and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking like, it's one of the, I don't know. It's, it's hard to like process through your mind. I'm not like a full on like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, it was one of those things that kind of like challenged my beliefs for a minute. And like, maybe kind of think like, I don't know, maybe these guys really do just hang out in old houses. You know what I mean? The, the guy had the most comfortable chair in 120 years ago and never wanted to get out of it. So he just sits in it in the corner, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyways i'm yeah i'm not like a very conspiratorial or like yeah paranormal guy like that but yeah. um it does it does beg the question of you know the, the way i think about it is, is like if matter can neither be created or destroyed and you know we have these intrinsic parts of our being that are like souls or whatever like whatever essence i don't know what you want to call it it's like it wouldn't be that far-fetched to think that like energy or whatever life is you know like could not could be trapped like that or something I don't, I don't know you know i'm not i don't know the science behind it but yeah. um i'm just thinking like you know i don't I, I don't i don't know the deal i don't have an explanation for this but i swear to god i just saw some ghost guy sitting in a chair so yeah. anyways i'm not the best storyteller um but yeah anyways i 
saw that and it's probably the most like paranormal experience i've ever had and i was like i swear to god i saw what i saw and like it's interesting because uh you know it's one of those things where you start to get too proud of those moments or things and then people think you're kind of weird so um <laughs> but yeah i swear i saw a little ghost guy lounging in a chair and he was just minding his own business lounging so probably just probably just you know playing foreman making sure i was like taking care of the house and doing whatever but yeah well, i had to be a little bit of validation though for them to say that you know they've seen some activity as well once they got in yeah, no, I mean, it, it was interesting to hear uh, yeah. for sure. You know, like I said, it's an old house. Uh, I think I earned their respect because I was genuinely doing like hard labor on this house. It was shovel. We shoveled like thousands of pounds of dirt and debris and took it down a hundred foot walkway, you know, in like buckets, like in 70 pound bags. Like we took, yeah. we must have taken over 170 pound bags out of this crawl space. So That's they probably the saw ghost. that. Yeah, no, I mean, like if I was in a gulag, I think that my captors would have been like, you know, honestly, we were going to punish you, but great work. You know what I mean? You, you really, you really put in some hard backbreaking work and we're proud of you. Um, but I think, you know, if you think of most horror movies you watch that have to do with house possessions or things, the ghosts generally, they rely on the fact that the house is structurally sound and exists so that they can exist in it. And so I think, you know, like ten, in those movies, they have a tendency to like burn them down or whatever to like get rid of these spirits or whatever. So me, you know, putting work into the house and basically uh, investing in its longevity, I think they were like, huh, all right, this guy's cool. You know, <laughs> Had the we'll, respect we'll, of the ghosts. <laughs> I think I think I earned their respect a little bit. So <laughs> anyways, sorry, again, I'm not the best storyteller, but um, I didn't really know how to get around to trying to make that sound scary because it's not that scary. I just like saw a thing, but yeah, anyway, so hope he's doing well. Shit, it would have scared me. I don't know if I would have stayed in the house at night anymore. I probably would have just worked on it during the day and been like, oh, hotel. Or yeah, I mean, car. I was down there late at night, you know, in the dark in this crawl space, just me. And it was like something out of uh, the just, no, I, I guess I just, you just get used to it. I don't really have, I don't really have fear like that, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't really know what the worst, uh, what's the worst a ghost can do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't I know if that was that today. <laughs> Like, how would so, it feel if a ghost smacked me? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. And I don't know why they can't do anything constructive. Like, help me. If I needed a tool, like, hey, you know, hand me a tool. And the ghost yeah. could just be like, boing, you know? Like, you couldn't have made breakfast, so, motherfucker, just sitting in the chair? <laughs> do the dishes, anything like that. So, I, yeah, I think maybe they've, they've gotten a bad, a bad rap. I, I don't think they necessarily want to hurt and haunt us all the time. I think it's just, again, maybe a little bit of energy left behind or something. Or Like I said, a very very comfortable uh, chair in the corner. So yeah, well, who knows? Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing, man. And I appreciate you uh, yeah. for coming on the show and everything. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you and, you know, keep up with what you're working on and, you know, of course what's coming up with stories so far. Sure. Um, I'm not as active on social media anymore. I mean, maybe that's a lie. Some weeks I'm more than others, but my socials are Kellen Keller and on Twitter, it's Kellen Keller 38. Um, our band is called The Story So Far. And if you just punch that into Google, it will bring up any social we have and our music. So pretty easy to find. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate so you, man. Thank it. you for coming on the show. Yeah, man. No worries. And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening. And make sure you check back on Friday as I'll be dropping a special bonus episode featuring Ben Deedles of Neon Brainiacs and also one of the stars of the brand new film, The Boonies. And I also have the director of that film, Lance Parkin, as well. So we'll be discussing the film, and I highly recommend you go pick it up, whether you rent it on VOD or just purchase it, because it's highly worth the buy if you ask me. So, And also, I just want to say that when Kellen was mentioning the movie, The Night Comes for Us, I was mistaking it for the movie It Comes at Night. So that's why I was saying it had bad reviews. Um, I've actually never heard of this movie, so I'm excited to check it out. But anyways, don't forget, go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go check out Loudmouth Threads. We do this awesome original podcast artwork, and stay safe.